Good morning, everyone. Um, I just want to thank you all for the invitation to come and speak. It's always an honor to preach um, the Word of God before our brothers and sisters in the faith, in the body of the Lord Jesus. And um, I pray that you are encouraged and to live and, and move to live more like the Lord Jesus throughout this sermon. Can everyone hear me okay? All right, all right. Our sermon today will be coming from Psalms 42, and um, I'm gonna add a part of Psalms 43 um, in there, uh, and I'll explain a little bit later why. But before we dive into this, I kinda want to set a framework for our time as we go through this passage of scripture. This psalm is called um, a maskil. And a maskil is what they would call a compilative poem. Poetry always calls us to be reflective, but the unique thing about this type of poetry is that the focus or the subject of it is calling one to be present in the moment. We're going to look at a story about an individual who is in despair. And as we look at this, we don't want to look at this as an outsider. We want to look at this story as if you or I are in that very moment experiencing similar things or reflecting on a time that we experience similar things in hopes that we can reach the same conclusion as this author. So, to begin our time, I want to give us some questions to help us think. And maybe I want you, maybe you want to close your eyes, but I just want to take a period before we get into the sermon and give us a few questions to think about. All right? My first question, I want you to think about a moment when you were in despair. You needed something badly and you struggle to obtain it. This need could be something physical, relational, or spiritual. I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about that. The second thought I want to give you is, how did you navigate this challenge? Did you get upset or frustrated? What did you do to make it through? Give you a moment to think through that. And lastly, how did this challenge affect your relationship with God? Did it cause distance? Did it cause you to grow closer to God? 
I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about that. You're wondering, why is this person up here asking me all of these questions? We all experience dim moments in our life. Some of us have left a dim moment. Some of us are in a dim moment currently. And some of us may be entering a dim moment. And we're all looking for ways to deal with those moments. And some of us, in our natural state, want hope. But what is hope? I believe that this passage is teaching us that you can hope in God in desperate times. And that in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can enact hope for your soul. So the subject that I want to talk through and label in this song is hope for a soul in despair. Hope for a soul in despair. In this text, that we're reading, this is a song. And there are three stanzas that the author talks about. And each stanza provides insight on how you and I can display hope amidst desperate times. So, are you ready to go with me? as we dive into this song. All right, stanza number one. The soul's desire for God's despite the drought. In Psalms 42, verses one to five, we see this stanza where the author starts out with a metaphor of a deer panting for water. Panthing gives this imagery that is just not thirst, but it's an intense longing to receive nourishment. This would make sense in Israel because in Upper Galilee, where this story, uh, this song is kind of being played, it was common for deer to die from dehydration. And you would always see deer looking for some stream of water. Now, this may kind of be hard for us to kind of sense right now because we're in Chicago right now in the winter, but I want to kind of give us a, little, a similar analogy to help us to think through this. A couple of weeks ago, it was like negative eight degrees. Did anybody remember that? <laughs> and like, Many of you and myself, we wanted heat. If the heat was not turned on, you were looking for sources to turn the heat on and you blast it, right? What this 
like the illusion that the author gives where you're in a moment where it is hard and you're looking for a source to help you get through this moment. Why? He describes the soul and this deep longing of the soul because in his full personhood, he's aching and desiring God. This causes us to think through some questions to help us. that we have to ask ourselves, <laughs> um, in situations that were lacking nourishment. <laughs> yes, I get it. <laughs> the little one is like, I need some nourishment. <laughs> In verse number three, he says, I'm looking for something from God, but I'm not getting anything. And all I'm doing is surviving on the tears. And it's bring us to a question. When you go through a trial or you're in a desperate time, do you find subsistence on yourself or do you look to God? Jesus says this in John 7, 37. He says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anybody or anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart flows rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the spirit whom those who believe were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. This brings another question out. Do we understand that because of our relationship with God and that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, that out of us flow living streams of water? Or do we depend on ourselves to continue to nourish ourselves? Sometimes I really wonder if we're really in tune to what God has given us. But what I do witness is many of my brothers and sisters, we try to do it on our own. And we try to maintain on the little strength that we have. But can I encourage you, brother and sister, that because of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, out of that, we have all the nourishment that we need and then some. So then we get to the refrain of the song. As the songwriter discovers this, he asks two deep questions. 
Why is my soul cast down and there's turmoil within me? His resolve is to hope in God. You're going to see this refrain being repeated several times. And this is going to be a major theme, hope in God. So before we go further, I want to talk a little bit about hope in God. Sometimes we look at hope and we think of hope as wishful thinking. And I kind of want to delineate it to make it um, clear for us as we go through this passage of when I say hope, you understand what I mean. This word hope is a verb. It's an action word. This word is, and I'm just going to read this definition I got out of this Bible dictionary. It says, the confidence of integrating God's redemptive acts in the past with trust in human responses in the present. The faithful will experience the fullness of God's goodness both in the present and in the future. So, in other words, it is a confident expectation on God based on his character. This is what hope is. Now, why do I want to give you more of a definition? Many of us do wishful thinking, and that is, well, it's an attitude or belief that something you want to happen will happen, even though it is not likely or possible. You don't have an assurance or assurance of that very thing. But the author is causing us or encouraging us to have hope in God. Why is that so unique? Why do we need to have hope in God? We need to have hope in God because God is faithful and his character is reliable. And though we may not understand how God is going to specifically operate in our life or in our circumstance, we can trust because we know the character of God, we can trust in him. Let me give you an analogy of this that I didn't even put in my notes, but I just thought and it came to my mind. Brian, I'm going to put you out there for a little bit, but hope you don't mind. <laughs> Brian is, 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 is my supervisor. And sometimes, you, if you know Brian, you probably wonder... How does he get everything done, doing everything that he does? Working here, connecting with this person, networking, praying, encouraging, discipling, and, and doing everything that he does. And when I thought about this passage, I thought about him because working under him, there are several times where he's like, I'm going to get to it, I'm going to get that done. And my thought is, how? There's only 24 hours in a day, right? How are you going to get this done? But I don't actually question the fact that he will get it done. I worry about the specifics of, well, how is he going to put the time together? Because I know his character, I'm able to go, he's going to get this done. I don't know how, and I don't know what time constraint, and I don't know what energy he's going to tap into, 
but I know he's going to get it done. I want us to think about that. Do we really trust God and his character to get and do and accomplish what he says he's going to accomplish? That's important for us because we have to be believers that are not just wishful thinking and that will move from that and say, I will hope in God. So then he goes to the next stanza. This stanza, I like to characterize as my soul is down, but I remember. Sometimes we could say hope in God and it doesn't actually, actually work. The author goes back into this in verses 6 through 11 and he says, um, the state of my soul remains down. But how does he get through it? He remembers the Lord. Now, I have several people in this room that is a broad range of ages. I want you to think about something. I want you to think about a time when the Lord has really came through for you. And it could be yesterday. It could be 10 years ago. It could be two years ago. I want you to really think about that. He remembers what the Lord has done. When I was a child, my mother used to make ice cream from scratch. Now, does anybody remember that, like how to make ice cream from scratch? Anybody know what a churner is, right? You, you, would, you, would, uh, you would put your ice, you have a churner, you put your, your cream mixture in there, and, and then you would put the ice in the bucket, um, and then you would sit there and you would just go crank and crank. Now, the thing is, right, it took a long time, right? It was, it was long. As a kid, I was so impatient because it was like, when is the ice cream going to get done? But mom would just keep churning, right? She would just keep churning the ice cream, and she would keep churning. And I was a kid, and I was like, oh, man, come on, I want some ice cream. When is it? But, but how do I get through that moment? I used to remember every time when they would get out, and she would take it out, and it would be creamy and delectable and very vanilla-y. And it didn't taste like the ice cream you would get off the ice cream truck. It tasted a lot better. And I will remember how it tasted as she would sit there and churn it. And it would help me to remember, okay, this is taking a long time, but what's going to happen is at the end of this process, I'm going to get something good out of it. Because last time, it was so good. And the time before that, it was so good. And the time before that, it was so good. What is this helping us to do? When I remember, it gets my mind off of the problem and it gets my mind on God. Hebrews 12 helps us to really frame this. 
In verse number two, he says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. My question to you as we go through this is, where is your eyes? When we navigate a problem, do we remember what God has done? Or we just looking at, I don't have this, this is wrong, that is wrong. And let me be honest, I'm not perfect at it. <laughs> I'm one, I'm in there grumbling and fighting and, and, and I'm like, ugh, I wish I had this and why can't we do this? And, 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 but we have to remember, I can be down, but yet I still remember not remembering all the times that I complained and grumbled. I remember the times how God was faithful to me. I remember the times when God made a way out of no way. I remember the times when God came through for me. The author talks about being distanced from God, and he talks about being on this Mount Hermon. And it's really interesting um, that he, he uses that analogy of, I'm on, I'm on the Mount of Hermon. Mount Hermon is, is actually on the northern border of Israel, and it is far away from Jerusalem. And he's using that to say there is a distance between me and God, yet I want to be close. I feel so distant. And many of us in this room, as we navigate, we feel so distant from God. We want to be in Jerusalem, but we're on the mount near the border, and we're sitting here wondering how are we going to be connected to God. Can I encourage you, my friends, to remember, remember what God has done? All right. He goes to this next resolve. He asks himself this question again. Why are you cast down and torn more within me? His resolve is to hope in to God. Notice that this songwriter keeps repeating this course over and over and over again. Why? I think it's because he's trying to help us understand that the, in the flow of life, up and down, there's going to be a moment where you're here on the top, and two hours later, you're going to be at the bottom. And then another two hours, you may be at the top, and it's going to be on and up and down. But the one thing to remember is hope in God. Now, it leads to this third stanza um, in Psalms 43. Some scholars think that these two psalms were originally put together. And it was one song. Later down the line, um, there's reasons why they were they uh, ended up in our in our scriptures separate. 
um, was because of the flow of the song. The first part in first verse, uh, Psalms 42 is a way for a person to get their grievances out. It's a lament. Hey, God, I'm here. I'm being honest and I'm being raw with you. But see, this is the interesting thing in stanza number three, which is in first uh, chapter 43, verses one through four. The petition before God. The songwriter changes his laments and he ends it off with a petition to God. How does he petition God? In verse, thir- and, and verse uh, 1 of 43, he says, clear my name, vindicate me before these ungodly people. His enemies still have an effect on him. He's perplexed. He's bothered. He's asking the question that many of us are asking, Lord, do justice. Lord, be fair. Lord, let your truth shine. Lord, do what's right in this moment. He wants to be close to God. And he wants to see God come through again and again, but he's still in despair. I want to ask ourselves a question. How do you respond when you're low in spirit? Is that a time when you run closer to the Lord in communion and prayer? Or is it a time where you're just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not doing that. Who needs to listen to that? I'm not doing that. I'm going to do my own way. He ends his song this way, and he goes to this conclusion. My soul is cast down. Why are you, why are you in me turmoil? Yet his resolve is hope in God. As we close, I want to pray for us all because some of us may be dealing with the challenges of life. And I don't know all of you personally, but I do know because that we are feeble and I know because of this world that we live in, we are all facing something and we're all looking for hope somewhere. And this, you don't have to be, you could be a Christian, you could be a non-Christian, you could be in church, you could be unchurched, you could be a, a person of another religion. We're all looking for hope. My prayer, my, my, my hope, my desire is that we can find hope in God. And when we find hope in God, we will be able to utilize 
that hope to navigate the trials that we are facing. So before we close out in prayer, I want to ask you those questions yet again. And I want us to think through them. Think about a time in a moment when you were in despair and you needed something badly and you struggled to obtain it. The need could be something physical, relational, or spiritual. How did you navigate this challenge? Did you get upset or frustrated? What did you do to get through it? Lastly, and most importantly, how did slash does this challenge affect your relationship with God? Does it cause you to have hope in God? Does it cause you to hope in God? Does it cause you distance? Does it cause you to grow closer to God? As we end, I want us to think through that. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we so love you and we thank you for this moment to be in your word. And I don't know my brothers and sisters out there, but I pray that when they hear this message, they are moved to hope in you as their rock as their savior Lord I'm praying for those who are out there that don't know you God I'm praying that this will be an opportunity now that your Holy Spirit would do an amazing work in their heart and to help them to conform to the image of your son God I pray that wherever we are on this journey, unchurched, unreached, unteached, that we will hope in you. You are the living God. You are the creator and you are the sustainer. You are the one who died on Calvary for us. And you rose to continually remind us that every time we can have hope despite the tragedies that we face. Lord, I pray for Pastor Dave as well. And I pray, Lord, whatever he's going through, I just pray, God, that you will be with him, be with his family, help him, remind him that you're there, 
intervene in a supernatural way, God? I don't know, but you know what he needs. You know what his family needs. Lord, we love you and we praise you for this wonderful day. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, to be in front of these awesome people. God, I pray that this was a moment that we can really reflect on you. And I also pray, God, this is a moment that we can be encouraged, and not only encouraged, but moved to have hope in you. Help us today, oh God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Start clean with Clorox.